listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. This is Brent Macy, Managing Director of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, and welcome to this edition of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Glad to have you with us, and uh, joining me in studio is CEO and founder of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, Doug Field. How are you doing, Doug? Doing great, Brad, except the thunderstorms knocked the air conditioning out of our studios. <laughs> We're sitting in a sauna today. Yeah, a little steamy, but that's, that, that's all right. Keeps us on our toes, and, uh, you know, that's always good. And hope everybody out there, hope everybody's having a good week. And, uh, you know, thank you for joining us here on the program. Doug, um, you know, I know we, we've got a great program lined up uh, today, and, and tell the audience a little bit about who's going to be joining us. Yeah, we're pretty excited about it, and uh, appreciate everyone, you know, our guests taking the time out of their busy schedule and joining us. You know, we're going to kick off with uh, John Halloran, who is the CEO of Mobile Health Consumer, a uh, group out of California that's created My Health app that really helps individuals, you know, track their health, and, you know, uh, you know, track their population, you know, or, you know, their health and wealth. And uh, it's a mobile aspect. It really utilizes a smartphone. And, you know, we talk on the show a lot about different technologies using the smartphone. And then uh, and following up, John, we got Doug Gertner, the CEO of Change Healthcare, uh, really one of the leaders in, you know, not just the transparency space. That's where they started. But they're, they're deeper and wider than that. They're about engagement and and messaging and personalization to really engage that consumer and they're really about you know helping organizations their employee population manage you know their health and uh you know get those costs under control improve the health and productivity of their uh workforce and then we uh end with uh really one of the leaders been around a long long time uh uh the uh chief sales officer with uh you know vision service plan you know, the industry's largest uh, vision benefit provider, you know, out of Sacramento, California. And uh, it'd be interesting to, um, you know, talk with Jeff specifically about, you know, what they see around exchanges and the opportunity uh, to distribute and provide more accessibility to vision uh care and vision options, you know, through the exchanges, and, and then specifically get an update on, uh, there's a very unique act about to be passed in California that has to do with uh, vision care. So a very interesting program, from supplemental health to engagement, transparency, healthcare decision making to, you know, mobile health and, uh, you know, the uh, mobile health app discussion. Yeah, and it all works together, I think, last week on the, the radio program, you heard uh, uh, Jim Preby, uh, the COO at um, Bloom Health, and he talked about what the value is of these supple- you know, a well-built-out supplemental health benefit um, inside of these exchange platforms. But you know, talking about some of the vision of it, the traditional vision piece now, just you know, forget the exchange piece for a second. If you look at the traditional vision piece with all of these employers if they're not moving to a high deduct or if they're not moving to the exchange they're moving to high deductible right. full replacement right. programs and so when they're doing that you got all these gaps that are created and so you got the you know the vision piece that, that needs to come in and fill some gaps in care right. um, with those programs so it's you know there's a lot of moving pieces out there and and i think this program is really going to you know, accentuate you know what those moving pieces are and how they act, how they actually eventually all tie back together. Yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of good exciting things happening right now. A lot of innovation take place. It's also a very chaotic time right now in the month of August. Everyone uh, getting ready for open enrollment kicks off after Labor Day for a lot of companies, and uh, you know it's kind of a mad race to you know finalize solutions, finalize you know those plans, and, and begin all begin quite frankly to pick your head up and look ahead to. 
2016, quite frankly, already, you know, for, you know, from a strategic standpoint. Um, and I was at Jahoo, uh, you know, Georgia Atlanta Health Underwriters last week mm-hmm. uh, with a group of 200 brokers. Uh, and a lot of those brokers are primarily small to small mid-sized company brokers, but, you know, it's uh, a lot of challenges they face. You know, the, the really understanding of an exchange group individual is, is individual exchanges going to take you know, take hold in the small employer market. You know, I think some will say yes, but at that meeting, everyone felt school's still out on that, you know, mm-hmm. really, really still out on that. Uh, are companies going to, our small companies going to exit the benefit business? I think school's still out there too. I mean, no one sees a mass exodus right now, you know, from that. And, uh, you know, the most interesting takeaway from a broker standpoint, and you feel for these guys and gals actually, is that all the compliance stuff they've got to stay abreast of for their clients. I mean, it's just, you know, the, the depth of compliance challenges that the ACA has caused, you know, you know, brokers and consultants, you know, uh, to try to get their arms around to help their employer clients. And I know, um, you know, kind of as you talk about that, Doug, I started thinking of, about our November event. Um, we do still have our uh, summer sales rate yep. there for Early Bird, which is $99 for everyone to come attend out there in uh, November, November 10th through 12th in Las Vegas. You know, the timing for it, and you kind of alluded to it, is, is open enrollment's going to be, you know, sailing by that time. Yep. And for everybody out there, you know, this is the time to come and know you're not thinking about it right now and, and you're looking at open enrollment, what am I doing, what am I doing, <laughs> hope this goes smooth, and then you you look at the November time frame. Well, in November, everything's going to be smooth sailing and you're going to want to find out, hey, what just happened and what happened to others in the industry around their open enrollment um, and learn from your peers. So that's the value to, to really look in, you know, aside from saving money on attendance fees, um, is really to, to make the move to, to go ahead and sign up and attend the event out there um, November 10th through 12th in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah, you know, you, Brent, that, you make a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, we – right now, to your point, I mean, it's the last thing on anyone's mind, you know, making plans to be sitting in a seminar uh, conference come November 10th because it's chaotic getting ready for open enrollment, et cetera. But most open enrollment, particularly mid and large companies, will be done by that time or winding down. And, uh, you know, we've timed this event to enable the marketplace to really come together in one place and listen, you know, learn, share, and connect, use our theme, but really be there together to say, hey, how did you do? Here's what we did. What are others saying? Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to be able to give a, a pretty real perspective on the results of the election. No one's going to know what's happened. It'll be interesting to give a perspective on, you know, what's the outlook ahead. I'm sure John Hickman and Ron will, you know, do that as well as other industry experts. And, and November 10th is a critical time for companies, you know, employers, those working with them to take the first hard look at their strategy for 2016 because come January, February, March, they're heads down planning their strategy for 2016, you know. Uh, plan year. Plan year. So what is their product going to be? What are they going to change, et cetera? So, you know, we've timed this event to come at the end of open enrollment for most companies and really a time for people to, you know, to be immersed with each other and mm-hmm. collaborate and discuss uh, and develop those uh, best or better practices. Yeah, and some of the and some of the sponsors. I mean, my job day to day here at the institute is to work with the sponsors. And and again, there's very good innovative 
um, companies out there. And you know, some of the, I just want to highlight some of the gold and silver level sponsors from a gold sponsor standpoint. And thank you very much to our gold sponsors, WageWorks and Connection. WageWorks, um, you know, big big player in the space that administer all kinds of um, you know savings accounts from flexible spending accounts to to the health savings accounts and everybody I'm sure is familiar with WageWorks big brand out there um, and one of the the leaders Connecture um, is big player in the the exchange space and um, they've been on the program before and you know the exchanges moving forward are obviously going to be gigantic and they're they're definitely an option that you can look at. Their main main thing, among others, is the shoveling aspect, being able to look at your employee population and, and direct them to the right opportunity um, for that population. And then the silver sponsors, thank you to the silver sponsors, Allegis Technologies, Payflex, uh, the Foundation for Chiropractic Progress, Hellstat. John was on uh, the program with us uh, last week, really talking about the value of his services inside of an exchange um, or if you're looking at an exchange and how he connects with that. Um, Don Doster at G Behavior. Evolution One, Benefit Focus, um, round out our silver sponsors. And then we do have some other exhibit sponsors, um, you know, from the transparency space all the way through to supplemental health um, and other aspects of the industry. So thank you to everybody who's signed up so far. Um, and uh, we really do appreciate it. Again, that 30-day, got 30 more days for the, the summer sale rate for uh, – the ninety nine bucks to attend the show, so and and you know, we're really proud of our sponsors and thankful for them because they not only do they bring key innovation and thought leadership, but without their support to aid the institute and and our events, we wouldn't be able to have that ninety nine dollars super saver rate. Right. You know, I mean that's that's what enables us to do that to enable an employer and a broker and advisor consultant to get to our event you know cost effectively and be able to you know get there and, and uh, collaborate so i concur brett you know thank you to our sponsors out there yeah uh, so, um you know we've it, this is the final week coming up uh to nominate superstars so we talk about you know innovation coming up on this program innovation we've had you know if you're listening out there and you know you're one of these innovative companies you know take take some time and nominate you know yourself for our industry innovator award if you're out there and have some good customers whether it's health plans whether it's employers or you have good brokers and consultants and tpas you're working with take some time and nominate them because they're going to you know we're going to recognize them a at forum west in a special recognition ceremony they're going to be showcased in, you know, within our web community for a year, and they're going to be showcased in a special print digital issue, our annual, our ninth annual Superstar and Innovator Award. So, you know, this, this, these awards are about really spotlighting, you know, the stars out there, the people getting things done, which is really about the best and better practices that we talk about. So from innovation to actually case studies of getting stuff done, and, and you can go to our website, you know, www.thiicc.com, click on the the top banner of the site and find the nomination forms and the categories. It had some good ones come through uh, earlier this week. I think I saw Adobe um, was was a company that was recognized uh, by one of their solution providers. Great, you know, great company, and and looked like they were doing some pretty yeah. unique things yeah. um, from Union Britain. Bank and Trust. There's some really good ones. Yeah, um, you know, so there's some some good players coming through, and and you know always cool to see what these these guys are doing out there guys and gals are doing out there and uh in the marketplace so 
Again, uh, we always do this every program. For everybody who's listening, the promo code for discounts on um, privatehealthcareexchanges.com, which is the only directory uh, with over 160 private exchanges listed, uh, is IHC radio all caps um and you can qualify for discounts on either the monthly or the yearly um subscription we will have a database update coming over the next uh, week to two weeks so go ahead and um get your subscription there and and you know that's that's a fast moving market talking with a lot of companies out there who who use it as a resource to to understand what um you know what they need to be looking at from an exchange standpoint but then the people in the business find out who your competitors are find out what they're doing find out uh you know all the models out there uh karen back at the office is going to give me a hard time for this statement but if you've seen if you've seen one exchange you've seen one exchange is is kind of the the statement out there right now um meaning that they're all different they're all different exchanges and and what works best for you and might not work best for somebody else so uh if you want, again, it's uh, IHC Radio's promo code, and that, that'll qualify you for discounts. So everybody, uh, stay tuned for the next segment, Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Hey, everybody. This is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And you've heard us talk a lot about private healthcare exchanges on the program. For anyone who's interested in listening to this program now, visit privatehealthcareexchanges.com and enter promo code IHC Radio for special discounts on subscriptions to the site. Solution providers, are you aware of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's multiple marketing platforms? You're invited to get a little closer to IHC with our Solution Provider Membership Marketing Program. Through IHC's exclusive Solution Provider Membership, your business gets an all-access pass to engaging your prospects. This membership embeds your business within the Institute, which immediately aligns your company, its solutions, and your key executives with the nationally credible IHC brand and shows your support of the healthcare consumerism movement as a market-wide solution. And that's just the beginning. Contact IHC's Managing Director, Brent Macy, today at bmacy at the IHCC.com. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Hey, everybody. Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And it's that time again. I want to make you aware of IHC Forum West, November 10th through 12th at the Red Rock Casino in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. We do have $99 Super Saver rates now available. Visit our website, theihcc.com, to register. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, this is Doug Field, CEO of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, along with my co-host and managing director, Brent Macy, and welcome back to Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Uh, we're excited about this next phone call because it's going to focus on innovation around smartphone. That's where a lot of activity is. And coming to us from California is John Halloran, CEO of Mobile Health Consumer. John, good morning to you. Good morning, Doug. How are you today? I'm great. Hey, great to have you on the program. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Hey, give our audience a, a backgrounder on yourself and, and Mobile Health Consumer. I really like you get an interesting, well-experienced background. I like what you're doing with Mobile Health Consumer. So. Well, good. Hey, I, and I appreciate the comments. Uh, my background is uh, I've got a background in healthcare, 
in technology and in talent management. So if you sort of think about those um, three elements, kind of what we're doing may mm -hmm. make sense here. Um, from a mobile health consumer perspective, you know, our mission is to simplify healthcare for, for consumers by making their health top of mind. And we couldn't think of a better way to do that than to get personalized you know, health content directly to their smartphones because you know, we all know that we're all checking those, uh, our smartphones mm -hmm. you know, 50, 60, 100 times a day. <laughs> instead yep. of uh, playing Angry Birds, we thought we could use <laughs> addition to our smartphones for something more useful. That's exactly right. And, and, and you're doing this via My Health app is the app, right? That's exactly right, yep. And so talk about the, the different moving parts and elements of My Health app from mobile, social, personalization, analytics. It, give us a kind of an overview of that, if you would, please. Yeah, that's a, gr a great, great setup. So the first thing I'd say is if you think about, um, you know, and we use the app as the connection to the consumer, mm -hmm. again, to take advantage of their addiction to mobile devices. But there's a lot of embedded um, uh, a lot of embedded capabilities. It's, it's really a platform, so think of, you know, LinkedIn or Facebook. This is really a LinkedIn or Facebook for healthcare. Okay. Um, there's analytics built in that will predict, you know, based on your current health, you know, how, how what are your likely health risks and what are the things, if you started working on them today, would help you maintain and improve your health over time and what you can do, where you can go. So really trying to take the basic elements that are now spread across a lot of different places and deliver them all right to the mobile device. And that includes social support. You know, it includes um, things like gamification. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of employers know that it's important to keep not just their employees healthy, but the families of their sure. employees healthy because nothing would be more distracting to an employee than if they've got a family member home um, with some preventable illness that they could have done something about. So think about it as how, how can we make these topics of my health status how my health is, what I can do about it. So it's more top of mind, and mm -hmm. I'm more educated, and I can take more accountability for my health. So we've built in a lot of different capabilities to support that mission. Can this, uh, can this work in conjunction with a, uh, a lot of the wearables that are out there being promoted as part okay. of the solution? Absolutely. We're already hooked into Fitbit. That's Good. one of the populars. We're, we've got about five or six that we're connected with today and we've got the list keeps growing because you know Doug there's so much innovation in wearables yep. and we're just we're just really happy to harness that because you know our view is that if the consumer is comfortable with a given wearable whether that's Nike whether that's Fitbit whether that's Jawbone mm -hmm. we shouldn't get in the way of that we should allow them to continue with what they're comfortable with our role is to really take that data in enable them to earn rewards from their employee for staying from their employer for staying active uh, enable them to compete with their colleagues uh, enable them to stay you know get the social support but to but to retain the device and wearable that they're comfortable with yeah. uh, John is your primary distribution via the employer to then their employee consumers their family employee consumers families Doug great question I'd say we started there uh -huh. and like most um, you know, interesting ventures. Uh, we, we've sort of uh, been been um, dragged in several different directions. So <laughs> it started as the at the employer level. We're seeing a lot of interest now from health plans, mm -hmm. and we also see a lot of interest from health systems who are really getting themselves prepared um, to take on more risk as as we move from a 
a fee-for-service payment model to a um, a shared risk model with the provide with the with the health plans, some of the the provider organizations are starting to look at this and thinking that you know how can I create a digital relationship with my sure. the members that I'm responsible for in a scalable, cost-effective way. And mobile is obviously top of mind. You do. You know, with talking about the provider, you bring up some. So, do you have plans to provide via your platform connectivity to an electronic uh, health record? That's exactly right. We're working yeah. on that as we speak. Excellent. Um, we've got several relationships that we're sort of in process with mm-hmm. um, relative to that topic, whether it's directly with a um, electronic health record or whether it's with there are a lot of now care management platforms that mm-hmm. are being developed that mm-hmm. um, integrate with with health records that measure the pay for performance metrics of a provider group um, which determines sort of what their reimbursement level is from the health plan or from Medicare so, so there's a lot of innovation and change happening with health care reform that's really oh, yeah. sort of that we're, and we're trying to provide an enabling platform for organizations who need to maintain a, a cost-effective digital relationship with their yeah, it's a, it's a it's a challenging, innovative, chaotic time right now. That, that uh, you know, we talk about that every week, almost every day. You know, uh, the amount of innovation taking place out there, which is which is very good. I mean, very very good for this market. Keeps us out of trouble. Yeah, it it does. Hey, John, this is Brent. Um, when you when you kind of started looking at what you were getting, what you were going to build out with this technology, what? What were a couple of things that you noticed in the market that said, hey, we, we got a pretty good opportunity here with this? Um, so that's my first question. And the second question, do you have a client, um, quite a client, you know, case study that's that's utilizing this, this product right now? Yeah, we have a lot of clients, real revenue, real clients. Um, we just presented at the National Business Group on Health um, one of our clients about the results, the outcome improvements they were able to achieve by using mobile outreach. Um, that company, it's a Fortune 500 company in technology, in the technology space called Western Digital. Mm-hmm. They're also out here in California. And, you know, obviously with their population, you know, everyone's walking around with their smartphone on their hip. Um, and they love the fact that they were able to sort of consolidate the capability right onto their smartphone. The other thing that we were able to do with them is show, you know, dramatic improvements in not just initial engagement, which is, you know, there are sort of ways that if you have a strong communications campaign, you know, you can get good initial engagement. But what we're seeing is very high return use rates. Mm-hmm. So really what we're trying to prove, the thesis we really wanted to prove was if we made things simpler and moved it to the device that everybody's addicted to, that, pe- that health will become more top of mind. And we're seeing that. And so... As we're seeing the return usage rates increase, we're seeing you know personalized communications get read more often. We're seeing mm-hmm. people who are out of um, compliance with HEDIS or, or uh, uh, evidence-based medicine become compliant because now we're reaching out and educating them, and here's why you want to do this, and that employer sort of uh, provides an incentive for them to become compliant. So it's a really interesting case study that if you're able to personalize content you know, technology enable the outreach and provide behavioral incentives. Mm-hmm. You really have a good shot at moving the needle, and that's what we found with that client. We also have Fortune 500 clients across, um, you know, banking, uh, large health systems, 
and then we scale all the way down to, you know, we've got clients that have 50, 60, 70, maybe a couple hundred lives. So, you know, one of the advantages of, of going with a company that's uh, in the cloud and using mobile first is, mm. you know, we've got a very rapid deployment model. And so it makes it easier to sort of get the value out and get the get the capability out in front of the consumers quickly. Now, from from a product build out standpoint, do you guys have any? And you mentioned some of it earlier. Do you have some some ideas that are on the horizon to, to continue to build the depth of the of the product? Yeah, we do. It, it's it's you know we're really interested. The, the wearables was a really um, mm-hmm. that was a good initiative. You know, we think about it as. We want to be able to address the entire population. Mm-hmm. So, whether it's an employer, a panel of patients from a provider, or uh, you know, a, a population of members for a health plan, <coughs> we want to have something to you know to keep the healthy healthy. You know, the walking programs, mm-hmm. the social support, the you know incentives to get screened, to get educated on your health status. Then we want to be able to um, for the, the folks that are diagnosed and are, are dealing with and trying to, to manage through having a chronic illness, we want to keep them adherent, and that's all sort of um, what we do today. I'd say the next phase, Brent, would be um, how do we provide more of an early warning system? How do we connect to blood glucose monitors and do more of that remote monitoring and provide some of that, that communication so that the consumer doesn't really have to think about it? They're monitoring their blood sugar. and they get notified and their physician gets notified that something's out of whack because it should just be, you know, you've heard, you've probably heard the analogy, it should just be like the, the warning, the engine warning light that goes on your car. That's what your mobile phone's going to be. I think we're a little early to really be there right now, but mm-hmm. those are the kind of um, those are the kind of things we're thinking about as we think about where we want to take the company and the capability. That makes a lot of sense, John. <clears throat> um, let me ask you about distribution, coming back to distribution, because you're kind of, you know, finding, you know, your market, uh, health plans, providers, uh, employers. How about exchanges? Yeah, we've um, we've just, it's a great question. We're very, very interested in exchanges. We think, um, you know, we have an exchange. We, we created a, um, uh, we just signed a, an agreement with Assurex to be the exclusive mm-hmm. sort of health promotion partner uh, in the Assurex exchange, and so we were very excited about that. Um, we think that you know, as as there are more and more exchanges, and those exchanges have to compete on value, uh, and those exchanges have to compete on how effective how effectively they can keep the population within them healthy, and therefore keep the cost stable. We think that we think that those exchanges will look for solutions like this more and more. Yep. I'd say that we're, um, you know, I really compliment Assurex. I think they were out front in sort of their thinking about how to how they should think about you know, having a stable uh, cost basis in their exchange. I think others are sort of getting up to speed and just yep. sort of getting the operational underpinnings going, and then I think they'll start thinking about risk management and how to maintain costs over time and the like. Yeah, but I, I think that could be an emerge, a very interesting emerging um, opportunity for us as things develop. Okay. Yeah, John, we got about a minute left, and just want want you to be able to leave our audience with one or two key takeaways, and then um, definitely let them know how to find you guys. Sure. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. Um, so I, I would say the the biggest takeaway is um, you know we always like to say that uh, healthy talent is productive talent. So for specifically for that employer market, you know if you've got large employers that are self funded and they're really focused on how to get the most out of their people, um, you know. Uh, it would be like having a, a fleet of trucks and not changing the oil, right? So we want to make sure we keep that talent healthy and productive so those businesses can flourish. 
and we want to keep their families healthy too because that will keep them focused. Um, you can find us at uh, mobilehealthconsumer.com, uh, and you can find us in the App Store, the Google Play Store, so we're, um, we're sort of all out there in the cloud. So appreciate you guys having us on there this morning. All right. Thanks so much for your time, John. Have a great weekend out there. And uh, to the rest of our audience, stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Hey, everybody. This is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And you've heard us talk a lot about private healthcare exchanges on the program. For anyone who's interested in listening to this program now, visit privatehealthcareexchanges.com and enter promo code IHC Radio for special discounts on subscriptions to the site. PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. Have you checked out the only online guide where employers, health plans, brokers, and consultants can navigate private exchange and defined contribution markets? Browse PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today. The emergence of private health insurance exchanges represents perhaps the most significant shift in how Americans purchase health benefits in years. As employers move their employee population into private exchanges, this trend is on a growth projection into the 2015 benefit year and beyond, according to research published by Allegis Technologies. Visit PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today to browse our national searchable directory and for Healthcare Exchange Solutions magazine and newsletter. Be sure to submit your listing for inclusion in this groundbreaking guide at www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. That's www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Hey, everybody. Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And it's that time again. I want to make you aware of IHC Forum West, November 10th through 12th at the Red Rock Casino in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. We do have $99 Super Saver rates now available. Visit our website, theihcc.com, to register. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, this is Doug Field, the CEO of the Institute for Healthcare Consumers, along with my co-host, Brent Macy, Managing Director, and welcome back to Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Uh, we're pleased to have joining us on this program today, really one of the leaders in the uh, engagement space, and uh, uh, Doug Gertner, uh, President and CEO of Change Healthcare out in Nashville. Uh, Doug, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, nice to have you here, Doug. Um, give our audience, uh, before we start, kind of a backgrounder on Change Healthcare, if you would. Sure, probably just take a minute to do it. So Change Healthcare uh, started in 2007, has been around here, I guess, nearly seven years. And our focus really is on working with uh, large self-insured employers and health plans to help their employees and members make better purchasing decisions. Um, We do that uh, across a number of different dimensions. Cost transparency is certainly one of them. Benefit Mm -hmm. education is another. Mm -hmm. Um, And then what we'll talk a little bit about today are, are some of the work uh, that we've done to complement many of their care management and wellness initiatives. Yeah, you know, you start out with a, a question here about, you know, employers and why should really employers care where their employees go for health care services? I mean, why should they care? Well, at the end of the day, they certainly are, are footing a lot of the bill. Yep. Um, so from a financial perspective, they, they clearly have a vested interest. I think the other piece, though, is um, they really do have an opportunity uh, to influence um, how their employees go about obtaining high-quality, lower-cost care. Um, and I think it's, it's the ability to provide certain tools 
um, to help them make better decisions that really uh, factors into, into why that employer should care. Um, I think the other thing I would say is that, you know, 70-plus percent of employers do offer some type of condition management program, mm -hmm. wellness program, et cetera. And so as they make investments in these programs, um, it really does become important that, uh, that they get their employees to take advantage of uh, the investments that they're making. Yeah, so it's both the <clears throat> the healthcare cost for both they, the consumer, employee, consumer, and the employer bearing some of that cost, and it's the health and productivity issue around you know the health of that employee and their families. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Doug, when you when you look at um, you know some of your data, how do you gather your data to um, you know aggregate it to help that employer and that employee population in some of these decisions? Sure. So, as part of our core transparency platform, we're bringing in a whole host of claims data medical, dental, pharmacy, vision, eligibility information, provider quality information. Um, and so we have that data already today. Mm -hmm. um, as we've rolled out this new product, Targeted Engagement Alerts, which are really designed to complement a lot of those wellness and, and preventative care initiatives, we're leveraging that same data set. Um, and really it allows us to reach out and support many of the other initiatives that a client might have. Um, so as an example, they may want us to target all women over the age of 40 for a mammogram. And so what we're able to do is use that claims data, uh, look back and, and see, okay, who are the women who are age, over the age of 40? Um, who are the ones that haven't received a mammogram in the last 12 months? And then how can we uh, direct a very pointed message to them, educating them on the importance of the mammogram? Uh, and then also showing them here are the four or five providers that you can go to. Uh, here's what it will cost. Here are the quality ratings of those providers, et cetera. Doug, Doug, you did uh, <clears throat> a very unique pilot with Cerner. Is this some of the takeaways from Cerner? Or, and if not, what, what, what were some of the experiences at Cerner? How, to, how did they use the tool and what were some of the results? Sure. So Cerner is, a, uh, is an employer client of ours. Yep. Um, uh, their focus, as opposed to just around preventive and wellness initiatives, was on point-of-care optimization, specifically in the context of on-site clinics and pharmacies that they had invested in. Mm -hmm. And so what we did is, again, looked through their claims data, identified all of those individuals who were purchasing care in the community that could have been delivered at one of their on-site clinics or pharmacies. Mm -hmm. um, with that information, we sent out a proactive alert targeted to each of those individuals, um, highlighting the benefits of, of moving their care to that on-site clinic or pharmacy. And what we saw were, were fantastic results. Um, across both of those two settings, uh, over 90-plus percent of the people who received an alert from us actually moved their care. Um, I think what was more interesting to us, however, was the fact that 31% um, of the people that went to the pharmacy and 22% of the people who moved their care to the on-site clinic were first-time users. Wow. Now, these are clinics and pharmacies that had been there for five or six years wow. and that the employees oftentimes walked past on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. But it really highlighted for us um, the importance, especially for that employer, if they're going to make investments yep. in additional benefits and programs for their employees, they've really got to make sure they do a, a great job of promoting um, those investments that they've made so that they can get the employees to take advantage of them. Yeah, Doug, along that point, kind of, and we hear the word all the time, engagement, and it's a big word out there. Um, talk a little bit more about the reason these employers need to get their employee population more engaged in their health. Yeah, so it, it is, you know, I, you know, first of all, I would tell you that, and I can't remember the survey who did it, but 57% of employers said that uh, employee engagement was their single um, biggest issue 
that they're trying to tackle as they think about their investments in healthcare. And um, you know, one of the things that we've seen is there are a whole host of different tools mm -hmm. and resources that are made available to employees. Um, and I think each of those employers makes those uh, for two reasons. One, they do want to improve the health uh, of their employee base. But two, they do want to lower their health care costs. And I think one of the things that they're oftentimes finding is that despite making those investments, um, they're not getting the uptake, the engagement from their employee base. You know, I think one of the, th the other things that we've learned is that that financial dimension is actually a very relevant one on which to build a relationship. And I think that was the jumping off point, frankly, for us to create these targeted engagement alerts. You know, we built, as part of our transparency tool, a set of claims-driven, yeah. preference-driven alerts whereby we look at an individual's utilization of common and recurring services and we shop on their behalf. And what we saw is that when we sent those alerts, nearly 60% of the people who received them opened them up, logged in, and did something with them. And so um, recognizing that, we saw um, that as a great way to um, create better engagement in some of the non-financially oriented initiatives that our clients have underway. Um, and again, for them, it's really all about maximizing the value of that healthcare investment that they're yeah. making. Yeah, Doug, you you know, when you talk about some of the existing programs that an employer has, I mean, you, you alluded to this this uh, getting people to utilize the on-site clinic more and, and the pharmacy in a different way. Uh, I'm assuming that, that, that your targeted engagement alerts can work in conjunction with other wellness and preventive care initiatives that an employer has in place. Absolutely, yeah. and that's really one of our core philosophies, which is, look, let's, let's figure out how we um, complement as yep. opposed to compete with our employer clients or health plan clients' um, initiatives. Again, 70-plus percent of them have other programs and other vendors. It doesn't do us any good, and it certainly doesn't do them any good if we're all stepping on, on one, another one another's toes. Yep. Um, and so for us, it's, it's about leverage that relationship we were able to build on the financial dimension to drive better engagement in the other programs and investments that they're making. Um, we have certain clients who, vet in, who have invested in telehealth, or telemedicine programs. Makes sense. And so now one of the things that we'll do is we'll actually promote those types of programs within our tool. Hmm. Yeah, uh, makes we a lot have of other sense. clients who've invested in um, HSA accounts for their employees as mm -hmm. part of a high deductible plan offering. Uh, and so for us, it's about that integration and that cross-promotion um, between us and the HSA administrators so that we can make sure um, as employees make their decisions, they're making them in as informed way as possible. So, so do you you know talk about uh, HSAs? I mean, there's a lot of <clears throat> activity among the HSA players to really create that portal. I mean, would you see yourself fitting within an HSA portal in in the future? Well, we actually do it today. So, interestingly enough, uh, we've got one large employer client up in the Northeast, mm -hmm. and uh, they work with one of the leading HSA administrators. Mm -hmm. and, um, as part of that integration, we do two things. One, we pull in. Uh, an employee's HSA balance mm -hmm. uh, into our portal. Excellent. So as they go and they look okay. to shop for care, they respond to our alerts, they can yep. see what their HSA balance is. But conversely, mm -hmm. the other thing that we've done is we've taken um, a set of APIs uh, and uh, we've integrated our savings alerts into that HSA administrator's portal. Wow. So that irrespective of where that employee chooses to go and obtain their information, they're going to learn about the savings opportunities that they have available to them. Um, and so that, that bi-directional integration we think is really important. And, again, it's about creating this surround sound experience for the employees so that you are able to deliver relevant information to them in the medium or in the, in the location that's most comfortable for them.
Very interesting, Doug. So, so let's talk about some of your uh, current customers or health plans, and health plans are trying to own that portal too. This is a natural fit with them, is it not? It, it is, and we're a bit unique in the space in that, um, you know, certainly for many of our employer direct clients, mm-hmm. uh, we will host that user experience ourselves. Yep. But for our health plans, as you can appreciate, they've spent uh, tens of millions of dollars building their brand and building yeah. their member portal, and oftentimes the last thing they want to do is create another destination for their members. Um, and so we have built a set of APIs that allow us to integrate all of our functionality. Um, be it our cost lookup tools, our targeted engagement alerts, our ways to save alerts, um, into their portals, mm-hmm. um, and so that that information can still be uh, obtained and consumed by the member, but it, it's consumed in the context of a broader health plan uh, member portal. Hey, Doug, we've got about uh, a minute and a half to go, and I want to give you a, a, an opportunity to kind of wrap this and leave our audience with some takeaways. I really appreciate your uh your time today. So leave our audience with a couple of takeaways and how they can find you guys as well. Yeah, so I would say first and foremost, um, you know, investing in tools is one thing, um, but you've got to invest in the effort to promote those tools and make sure that you get your employees or your members to use them. Um, from our perspective, you can have the, the best cost transparency tool. It can have all the bells and whistles, but if people don't use it, it's not going to drive any value. Um, And so with that in mind, we think taking a very proactive, highly personalized approach is absolutely critical if you want to drive value. Um, I think the second thing is recognizing that as you work with employers um, uh, or health plans, there are a whole host of vendors out there. um, And I think best practice would suggest you get those vendors to work together. You look for opportunities to integrate, and you certainly look for opportunities to um, cross-promote. As far as reaching out to us, um, certainly happy to, uh, to to engage with anyone. We've got uh, our website. There's a lot of great information out there. It's www.changehealthcare.com. And uh, certainly appreciate the time today, guys. Hey, you're welcome, Doug. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on the program. And um, I had one last question, the connection with exchanges as well. You, you got the connection point there too, correct? A- absolutely. Okay. So what I would tell you is, and when you look at uh, this first run of, of enrollees in the public exchanges, 8 million people, uh, you saw 60% of them enroll in silver metal plans. You saw 20, 25% enroll in bronze metal plans. Mm-hmm. The average deductibles there are three and $5,000. Yeah. So the, the consumer is really bearing a significant portion of the cost. And the private exchanges as well? The private exchanges the, too? Uh, private exchanges, you are seeing uh, a high prevalence of high deductible plans, not necessarily at that level that broadly. Um, But what I would tell you is in that individual market, these types of consumer-friendly tools become increasingly more important as you do push financial responsibility to the consumer. All right, Dick. Hey, thank you so much for joining us on the program today. Have a great weekend up there in Nashville. Um, We'd love to have you back. And to the rest of our audience, stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Thanks, guys. Certification. Do you know why becoming a certified healthcare consumerism specialist is more important than ever in 2014? Adding this specialized designation to your credentials tells employers or your clients that you understand how much our industry has changed and how to navigate that change successfully. IHC University's certification program offers coursework both online and live at their biannual forum conference series, and testing is completed online. Reaffirm your position as a leader in the health and benefit management industry. Download our certification overview and learn more at www.theihcc.com. 
That's www.theihcc.com. Hey, everybody. This is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And you've heard us talk a lot about private healthcare exchanges on the program. For anyone who's interested in listening to this program now, visit privatehealthcareexchanges.com and enter promo code IHC Radio for special discounts on subscriptions to the site. PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. Have you checked out the only online guide where employers, health plans, brokers, and consultants can navigate private exchange and defined contribution markets? Browse PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today. The emergence of private health insurance exchanges represents perhaps the most significant shift in how Americans purchase health benefits in years. As employers move their employee population into private exchanges, this trend is on a growth projection into the 2015 benefit year and beyond, according to research published by Allegis Technologies. Visit PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today to browse our national searchable directory and for Healthcare Exchange Solutions magazine and newsletter. Be sure to submit your listing for inclusion in this groundbreaking guide at www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. That's www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, welcome back to Healthcare Consumers Radio. This is Doug Fields, CEO of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, along with uh, my co-host and managing director, uh, Brent Macy. And uh, very pleased having uh, uh, us on the program on this segment is, you know, Jeff Everson, who is Senior VP, Chief Sales Officer for, for the largest uh, vision care company in the United States, uh, VSP uh, Vision Care. Jeff, good morning. Good morning, Doug. Brent, how are you? We're great. Hey, good to have you here. Thanks thanks for taking the time. Uh Give Ronnie just a brief background on on the VSP, but then we, then we want to get into talking how the world's changing as far as accessibility to vision care. Sure, happy to. Well, VSP Vision Care is the largest not-for-profit vision benefit service company in the world. We've got nearly 71 million people covered throughout the world, a network of 30,000 doctors, U.S., Canada, Ireland, and Australia, and we're growing. <laughs> yeah, congratulations on that. Uh, how do you see your world changing as far as uh, and, and the consumer and employee and, and the, you know, the individuals out there, world's changing as far as uh, vision care and accessibility to vision care? Yeah, well, and, and we're excited about the changes, yeah. Doug. It, it's, uh, it's been a very successful year for us. In 2014, we've added, I mentioned the number earlier, of uh, 71 million. Yep. In the U.S. here, we've added over 6 million new members. Uh, a record year for us, and a lot of that's due to the various channels at which we uh, uh, are distributing our benefits. See, our, our goal as a not-for-profit vision care company, VSP, is we want people to have access to quality vision care regardless of where they uh, uh, get that coverage. Um, we've added some channel partners. Um, we're represented on most all of the private exchanges. Mm-hmm. Um, we're growing our direct-to-consumer individual business. Um, for the public exchanges and health plans, we're adding partners there. And we're seeing continued strong demand in 2015. So the, the changes in the healthcare delivery seem to be uh, creating additional demand for us. Is, is um, a lot of this being driven by, you know, the evolution now of, you know, more full replacement programs, buy down into high deductible plans, thus creating a unique opportunity for supplemental health, including vision care, to step in there and provide coverage options that maybe an employee and consumer wouldn't have looked at before? 
That's a good question, Doug. It, you know, it, it could be. Um, I think probably the awareness of the value of, of vision care is, is a big part of it. And uh, uh, I think, as I heard briefly, your prior guest talking about the yeah. number of people enrolling in the uh, lower-tier plans on the, on the public exchange, that people do the same thing, I would assume, on the, public, on the private exchanges would have more money for ancillary and other coverages. Yeah. So yeah. you're probably right there. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, transitions uh you know we work closely with them i know you're a transitions partner and you know we you know we talk about vision health then the importance of good vision care is identifying you know you know some really chronic conditions and you're really helping consumers manage their health you, do you see that message getting out uh, more uh, loud and clear right now to the uh, consumers and the employees and through the employers Yes, we do. We're seeing. Um, we're one of the first in the VS, at VSP. We're one of the first in the market with our collection of data from eye exams uh, for early mm-hmm. indications mm-hmm. of diabetes, hypertension, and high cholesterol. And we're having more and more of our health plan partners, as well as disease disease management companies and insurance companies, that are uh, taking in that data and mixing it with the rest of it, part of their overall health management uh, programs. So, yeah, we're seeing a big uptick in that. Yeah, you've got um, a unique uh, law that appears to uh, be on the books to be passed, uh, the California uh, California Vision Care Council Act out there. What A, a is that going to happen? And B, what's, you know, what's the impact going to be there? But maybe, you know, statewide, will this kind of grow across some states? Yeah, if you're referring to the law that's, uh, that's being led by the California Optometric Association, um, we fully support optometrists practicing to the full mm-hmm. scope of their licensure mm-hmm. and increased access. Um, so that's about what I can say of that, on that one. Okay. And now, Jeff, going back to um, kind of the ACA and, and some of the things that, you know, you're looking at private exchanges, you know, how is vision, how is that allowing vision care to really evolve, you know, with the health care law and then the emergence of these, these private exchanges? Well, Brent, I think um, um, it, most of the private exchanges are offering vision care mm-hmm. plans. They uh, Initially, we were seeing early days that, most of the conversation in the private exchanges was really just around the uh, medical or health plans, mm-hmm. and, and now they've expanded, include, and then virtually all of them include uh, vision, and mm-hmm. uh, and we see that as a positive thing uh, here at VSP. Again, as I mentioned, that we want to, our mission is to help people see and make informed decisions about their vision care, and and uh, shifting to a consumer focus, which is what the uh, exchanges are doing i think is good for uh for the consumer and good for uh, their access to a vision plan now the employers on there a lot of them whether it's through the private exchange or even the um, public exchange more the private you know they they have the choice of building out you know what the exchanges are looking like with whether it's their broker partner you know what's the you know, when they're looking at a vision partner, what are some of the things that they need to consider when saying, hey, this is this is the, the partner that we want within our um, private exchange platform? Yeah, um, good question. Thank you for asking that. Here at, at VSP, um, our, our, as I say, we want access and we want people to be able to make informed decisions. And the most important thing that any of the private exchanges offer, regardless if they are a single carrier where the employer chooses which vision plan to offer, Mm -hmm. or they are a multi-carrier where the employee has a choice amongst carriers, 
The importance is that they fully understand what the differences are between the vision plans. Uh, for example, about 30% of the total cost of vision care is in the premium. The balance is what happens at the time of service. You mentioned transitions earlier as a partner of ours in the photochromics area. Uh, the photochromics, uh, you know, the, the different vision plans have different pricing for that for the consumer when they go to the eye doctor. And so hopefully the most important thing is that, that the consumer understands those differences so they can evaluate the total cost of their vision care. Jeff, as uh, you see vision care, uh, you know, moving uh, into this market, and, and you're obviously experiencing great growth, and, and congratulations on that. Do you see, as consumers become more aware of vision care and the benefits of good vision care, do you see the, the uh, utilization rising among these consumers that, that have the vision benefit? Um, here at VSP, I think we're seeing the, the um, utilization remain fairly consistent. It's rising a little bit mm-hmm. um, in our overall book of business. We're not seeing significant differences amongst our various channels as to utilization amounts. It's fairly consistent across the channels. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Jeff, does, when you when you look at these exchanges, um, in your opinion, does it does it make it easier for that employee consumer to, to shop for for insurance on the exchange? Well, I think it does because it brings it all into one-stop shopping. As I mentioned earlier, we here at VSP, we want people to have and to make informed decisions. And to the extent that the exchange provides quality information for people to make an informed decision, it really doesn't matter if they have a single carrier or they have multiple carriers because those are the major differences between the various exchanges uh, we're represented on. Um, the, the, the decision tools are really important for people to be able to make the right decision for them and their family to get the appropriate care. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you know, you're selling across multiple channels. Does that present some conflicts at times, or how does that all work itself out? Well... Yeah, it does, but as, as a not-for-profit uh, <laughs> yeah. and our mission is to help people see, yeah. Yeah. Um, we think the more channels that they can access it through, access VSP through, the more opportunity that we have to reach uh, to reach the marketplace. So we are, are agnostic as to which channel um, people access us through. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do have some internal competition, but I think that's healthy too. It's not been um, distracting, and it really, as you can see, as I mentioned earlier, with the VSP's increase in membership, it seems to be working well for the consumer and for us. Now, when you look um, at the book of business, are you seeing you know people, you know your clients moving from direct contract to to the exchanges? When you look at your current book of business, you know we're. we're uh, like everyone else, uh, we're ready, we're poised, we're, that's why we're participating and represented in, in virtually all of the exchanges. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing still um, a, a, an increasing number of companies looking and exploring the exchanges and an increase in the number of participants, but not really as rapidly as we had thought maybe a year ago. Um, we think in 2016 and 17 and 15 even, there'll be more and more as it starts to gain uh, in, in popularity. Now, Jeff, you you guys work a lot through your broker partners. Is there a um, a discussion that you're having with them 
um, with all the ACA changes and kind of the new distribution models out there, or is it is it really business as usual with your broker partners? Well, that's why, as I mentioned earlier, I think that's a, an excellent question. That's why, um, um, as I mentioned earlier, we've got the various uh, uh, channel partners and, and VSP. Yes, our largest business is really through our broker uh, partners or direct with clients. Many of those broker partners are the ones that are sponsoring and establishing exchanges, mm-hmm. and with them, many of them are competing with each other with their exchanges, or mm-hmm. they're simply moving their clients to the exchange. So um, we have set up a separate group within our organization to, that specializes in working with the exchanges that communicates and coordinates very closely with our, our traditional client and, and broker uh People. So we kind of coordinate internally across that as we see uh, companies moving or we see brokers increasing their participation in their in their exchanges. Well, Jeff, we got one minute left on the program. And, and leave our audience with one really good takeaway um, for them and then let our audience know how they can find you. Sure. Um, I think the most important thing here at VSP, is, as I've tried to emphasize throughout, is that our mission being a not-for-profit is providing access to quality eye care mm-hmm. to as many Americans and people in other countries as possible. We want them to make informed decisions, and uh, we believe it's an important part of their overall health care planning. Um, you can get a hold of us, vsp.com, pretty straightforward and simple. We <laughs> do have offices throughout the country as well. So we really appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. All right, Jeff. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on the program. Have a great weekend. And to the rest of our audience, we will see you next week on Healthcare Consumerism Radio. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.